You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the program. My name is Chris Spangle. Thank you so much for being here. Today we're going to be talking about vaccine passports and big tech and some of the issues that we uh, have been talking about in our ongoing conversation around surveillance capitalism and, and everything that's going on. So stay tuned. Warning. This show is for adults by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Welcome to the program. My name is Chris Spangle. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you uh, to my co-host, Reinhold will be off this week. He has uh, a family situation. Um, So just keep Reinhold and his wife and his family in your prayers. Uh, Last year's been kind of rough on them. I'm not going to go into details, uh, but it's, you know, COVID is... uh, Reinhold is the caretaker for a lot of folks, and so he is uh, just always a little stressed out. So... You know, I just love for people to to just send him some uh, some prayers and good thoughts and nice comments his way. Uh, but joining us is Harry Price. Harry, how are you? Going good, going good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, things are going very well. Things are uh, progressing nicely. Mainly, I have been spending the last couple months. I mean, really, I've been working on this project for a year at least called Ideological Origins that Matt Whitliff and I are working on and have decided the name's terrible. Um, but it's it's basically a history <laughs> podcast. We've got the first four seasons mapped out. It was going to be like uh, just me and had kind of a small sketch. And then Matt, who is uh, a great writer and a history guy, was like, let's, let's do it this way. I was like, mm, this is nice. And so it's going to be for our patrons. And we're recording the first one in a couple weekends. So it's like when you're in college and you have a big term paper due and mm-hmm. you're cramming everything and you're reading 10 books in like two weeks. Uh, so so my attention has been so focused on medieval history to make sure those shows are good uh, that that my, my news watching has kind of been neglected a little bit. But uh, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be great. It's for $10 and up patrons. So uh, please stay tuned for that uh, but i've been working on that here i've been reading like crazy i've been reading i've read 25 books this year my goal is two a week which is 104 and i have probably 10 to 15 other books that i've got 25 to 50 percent done and it's like it's like an exercise goal if you say i'm going to exercise five times a week or every day you've got to learn time management and discipline and willpower and and you know reading two books a week when you've got all kinds of different things going on in your life, like you know, family and podcasts and jobs, and you're just it's it's 
it's a uh, it's something you have to pay attention to. But I'll tell you what, it's never I, I've it's it's been one of the most challenging yet one of the most rewarding New Year's resolutions I've ever made, and I highly recommend it. Uh, it's really been great. I don't I don't I don't know if you're a, a reader. You seem like you are. I'm not sure what you what you do in terms of reading. And mostly the reading I do is usually for like technical books. So I rarely get to read for fun yeah. like you do. Well, well just well, the different aspect. It's the same education. It's just more of a, ooh, there's a new switch out. Or there's a new way to do this. Or, you know what? I'm not that quite sure on this um, like routing policy. So I'm going to go read that book. You yeah. Know, I think uh, – the last thing I read right up was on like because I'm trying to I'm studying for my uh, LPIC uh, one and two, so I've been reading those, which is you know if you love Linux, it's great. You know, is, is that a certification? To, yeah, it's a uh, yeah Linux certification, and I'm, you know it's going back to also the fundamentals of Linux. So it's like when you learn Linux or you just pick up Wild, like hey, I'm just going to use the browser or I'm just going to use the uh, Linux OS. There's a lot of different things that you do miss. And then you go back for the certifications like, oh, wow, I know I could do that. Yeah. Oh, that's how I do it. Or like, that's how I do it in Windows. This is how I do it in, you know, freaking Linux. This is great. It's even better. Yeah. So I, I just think reading any type of book or magazine or whatever is just an important part of a person's growth. And I didn't really like I read all the time as a kid. I've always loved books. But mm-hmm. once I got my smartphone in 2010, my reading really dropped off, and I didn't really read a lot uh, after college. And, uh, you know, I, I did the Leaders and Legends podcast. I'd love for you all to go to subscribe to it. It's a, another history podcast that I produce, but I'm not on. It's called Leaders and Legends. And we, we talk about the history of Indiana, but also broader history, medieval history, American history. Um, and what I found from the most successful people in Indianapolis is that they are mega readers and that is a huge part of their success. And so I just started making it a habit. I've read about 50 books, um, two out of the last three years and this year I'm, I'm going for 104. So yeah, I, um, and I will say that when you, when you have that kind of goal, it keeps you, I, I got a little frustrated in December and decided to do this because I'm just like, I'm so tired of reading social media as like my main source of information. Uh, and even news sites can be irritating. And, and you, you read the, the opinions of people who haven't read and don't know as much as experts or you even uh, when you f- focus all of your news efforts on social media. Now when I log on to like Twitter, I'm just like, this is a neighborhood I don't want to live in. I'm going back to you know, the, the 1300s and the, and the plague. <laughs> and, and I watched this great video by Ryan Holiday called How to Read, like Ryan Holiday or something like that. I'll put it in the show notes. But um, he, uh, and, and I'll put up a post at chrisbengel.com with some of my tips. But, you know, he, he's like, if you want to understand the present, you've got to understand the past. And he talked and he walked through some of the best books you read last year. And he talked about, uh, the Taylor Branch series on civil rights that we've recommended here on the show and mm-hmm. how you learn so much about like the George Floyd era through the the civil rights era or you learn a lot like and this is something that we've always kind of done here is, you know, like reading the book on the, the uh, 1918 flu and, and breaking some of down down of the, the human behavior of the 1918 flu and what to expect through the next year with the covid pandemic uh you you see like the anti-mask league of san francisco in 1918 like you see the same 
you know, history never really changes too much. And so, you know, he talks a lot about uh, something that we've done a lot here for a long time, which is understand the past to understand the present. And that's something that we're going to continue to do and really lean into even more moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like I've kind of said on the show, and some people said that the last show was a little lacking on the, on the future direction. And I just don't want to tell you everything that I've got planned, but I've got plans. Um, but I will say, um, I just opening up, social media every day and looking what everybody's pissed off at and then being having to pick, pick a side on where to be pissed off at and who to be pissed off about and it's just too exhausting i can't make a i can't make that my life anymore i've done it for 20 years and i i've just sort of gotten to a point where it's like i want to talk about these issues but i'm not going to talk about it in the same way as everybody else you know i'm, I'm not i'm not going to pretend that the world is coming to an end because i don't believe that when you look at history, you look at the long arc of history bending towards justice as Martin Luther King, but it also bends towards personal liberty in a lot of ways. And that's a lot of what the show for our patrons will be about is that long arc of history bending towards personal freedom and justice and, you know, tr- trying to find the optimism moving forward and, and showing people that we live in a great age where there are many possibilities and it's not all bad, but liberty was hard fought and hard won, and we can't squander it, and we have to raise the next generation to make sure that they protect it as well. Um, so I want to thank our patrons, uh, the, our current patrons. You can join at wall, joinwallplus.com, joinwalplus.com. There's a ton of great benefits to subscribing, not just the bonus shows, but also just supporting the network and supporting our efforts. And uh, I'll tell you what, like when we see that somebody has signed up and we see um, th- that we're one of the larger libertarian Patreons, I mean, it-, it gives us a boost to keep going. It's how we build the infrastructure. We've got great shows like On the Run with Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, Brian Nichols and the Brian Nichols Show, Boss Hog of Liberty and Jeremiah and Dakota do such a great job do such a great job. I'm not sure why my mic just automatically muted. Can you hear me, Harry? Yep. Yep. I can hear you. So, you know, I don't charge them to be on the network. That's free for them. I pay all the bills, AKA our, our Patreon members pay all the bills (laughs) and, uh, just really helps a lot as we continue to grow. And I, you know, Brian asked me the other day, he goes, where do you see the network in five years? And I go, I see all of these shows that are currently on our network driving a tremendous amount of audience and allowing all of the hosts on the network to really invest, uh, to, to hopefully do it full time. Because I think somebody like a Brian Nichols and Rimzo, who's just a, I mean, Rimzo worked for the Washington Times, worked for Parler, worked as a journalist, worked as a, a campaign consultant, currently works as a marketing consultant. He's an author. Like that guy is just a, a multifaceted person with a ton of interesting viewpoints, and his show is different, and we just try to bring you something different than you get elsewhere as a network, and uh, then whatever the hell this show is, um, you know. And, I, and I'd really love to invest in community and, and the Liberty and Chill stuff and, mm-hmm. um, and, the, and the history side. So that all happens because of our patrons, and uh, I just really appreciate everybody who makes the financial contribution. If you can't, like I said... I understand it's tight out there, um, but 
please share that you listen to the show. Our marketing efforts took a big hit uh, by not being able to use. I mean, I literally can't post to the Facebook page for 90 days. So, you know, that's whatever. We went from a million uh, page views where people, a million people a month saw We Are Libertarians podcast network in their feed, thanks to memes, to 70,000. And now it's zero. Uh, and that's a big hit for driving, but I will, t- I will tell you, we've seen a big uptick in downloads for all of the shows. Hopefully you can't hear, uh, the Lion King in the background. My producer is, uh, examining footage, uh, for a future episode. Um, so thank you especially to our $100 a month members, John Pusillo, Casey Feldposh, Lars, N- Lars Nordskog, Jake Edel, Matthew Durbin, Jeff Bennett, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Thank you so much. Uh, this is not going to be a long and in-depth show uh, because, quite frankly, I don't know what to say about vaccine passports other than no thank you, n- no way, hell no, not <laughs> not going to support it in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and it's not because I'm an anti-vaxxer or nutty anti-vaxxer or anything like that. You know, not that anti-vaxxers are all nutty. I'm just saying, like, that's the perception out there, right? Um it's it's because when you come off of the history of PRISM and what Edward Snowden revealed, big tech and surveillance capitalism, the complete and other uh, – I mean when, when the people who told you seven days to stop the spread uh, and, and were here a year later and they go, oh, vaccine passports are temporary and just for COVID, I don't believe you. And I don't want any part of – I don't care if it's all private. You know, it's it's – Sort of like the uh, big tech censorship argument that we've always made here. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is their property. And yes, we do uphold property rights. But we're also consumers who can have an opinion on the product and say, this is really shitty and I don't want to use your product anymore. Um, we don't want to go this route. I'm not totally mad that we can't use any of our social media channels other than Twitter. Because I, I don't want to do business with those people. You know, somebody, uh, Tom Monica was like, are you just going to let them kick you when you're down? Why aren't you making a second group? And I go, why do I want to give them business? Why do I want to encourage you to go to a second group, Harry? Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. no thank you. Yeah. yeah, drive more marketing to them. I feel like, you know, that's why the, you know, the bit of advice I told you to get everyone's email, at, you know, to so you can send that email list up. To, so you, when this does happen, you can easily direct it to something that you own and direct business to where you want to, so where you get the money or you just have the control over. Yeah, it. and I want to thank everybody for going to uh, wearelibertarians.com and signing up for the email newsletter and getting that morning email newsletter. Um, you'll automatically be enrolled to get my private email newsletter that I need to write more of uh, at chrispangle.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank you to the, I mean, thank you to uh, Libertarian Chairman Joe Bishop Hinchman for promoting that on April Fool's Day. Uh, seriously, <laughs> uh, it wasn't a joke. He, he, he gave us a shout out. I appreciate that. And I also want to thank the uh, new chair and vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Indiana for joining our Patreon. I will join the 1994 Society as a thank you. Um, you know, Evan McMahon, who's been on the show, and Lucy Brenton, who is a great uh, listener and follower of, of – and I just want to thank them for joining the Patreon and, and all the love from the LP. Really do appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that, that helps. I mean, it's, so what is a vaccine passport? Let's, let's read a couple articles. This is from USA Today. Um, and these are not the best articles, but they kind of break down some of where the conversation is at. 
There's no vaccine passport in the United States, says Peter, Peter Vlitas, senior vice president of airline relations for Internova. Um, the most promising one, USA Today writes, is the IATA travel pass. It's being tested amongst 22 airlines, and the airline trade organization expects to release it this month. It will be limited to air travel and border crossings. Um, Trip Actions app-based health passport, a private initiative that launches early next month, will allow travelers to upload and store all necessary documentation required for domestic and international travel within a centralized hub. The only vaccine passport in widespread use is Israel's Green Pass. Israel has the most restrictive uh, travel, airline travel. Uh, I mean, a lot of it has to do with airliners being taken mm-hmm. down by um, suicide bombers in the 70s right. and 80s. Uh, but the certificate available is either their smartphone app or paper ID using a QR code for authentication allows users to prove their vaccine status in Israel. They've really, like, vaccinated everybody. I mean, they, they've been the most proactive in terms of getting everyone vaccinated and, and reopening very quickly. Um, airlines have been pushing the government to create a vaccine passports for Americans, saying verifiable testing of vaccination data is, quote, critical to the return of travel. Uh, New York launched a version of a vaccine passport, the first in the nation's certificate called the Excelsior Pass, will be accepted at dozens of events, arts, and entertainment venues statewide. I mean, let's just stop there, right? Like that, the future is the history is future, right? So, um, the ACLU has come out and said plans to roll out a standardized vaccine passport must account for social inequities and privacy rights. Anything short is a non-starter. This is written by CNN. Uh, Biden's administration is working to establish a set of standards for people to prove they've been vaccinated. The official said the White House is working with government agencies, tech companies, and nonprofit organizations to plan and coordinate the effort, which is likely weeks away from being finalized. Um, ACLU says there's still a lot that can go wrong with this. Any proposal for vaccine credentials must be, must be primarily paper-based, decentralized, and protect privacy. Heard that one before. Um, yeah. Why paper-based? Uh, the idea is to make it quick and easy if you use a, an app, right? Um, mm-hmm. But Stanley said any system that is exclusively digital would alienate individuals and communities without access to mobile devices or knowledge how to use them, such as senior and low-income people or those with disabilities. There are a lot of people who don't have cell phones. Um, over 40% of people, over 65, don't have them, for instance. Um, information should not be stored in a centralized database. Uh this is uh, let me finish up the setup here and then we'll we'll or do you want to break down these individually no you could go i'll let you finish all right and uh they also continued if it involves putting some sort of government or corporate app on your phone but it's not open sourced and you can't see how it works that will be bad for privacy does it report back every time you present a credential every time someone asks to see you've received a vaccine does it report back to some government agency that would also be very bad uh, Jen Psaki of the Biden administration says there will be no centralized universal federal vaccinations database. Um, Stanley of the ACLU still worries that a rush system could lead developers to overlook important details. Um, and it could be built on an architecture that is not good for transparency, privacy or user control. Um, user privacy should be respected. 
Uh, airlines, headline in the Wall Street Journal on April 3rd today, airlines want vaccine passports but don't want to pay for them. As Europe plans to document to store COVID-19 data, industry raises concerns about potential costs. Uh, you know, this – and if you go back and you look at the um, the world's smallest political quiz by the uh, the advocates for self-government, it had a question on it forever about do you support or oppose a national ID card. You know, there's obviously been the real ID debate. There's obviously the debates about vaccines that are cropping up in this. There are the um, the prism and the privacy of the NSA spying programs that are playing into this. There's also uh, the COVID, you know, the lockdowns and the um, just the uh, the fact that it was going to be a month and then it was a year and now. New York and our friends in, on the East Coast are still not open. You know, it's April on April 6th. Indiana will be completely without regulations. Uh, you have, right, um, you have the rapid, massive expansion of the emergency powers by state, city, and, lo- and national, uh, or you know, government agencies. You have big tech censorship playing into this. So you have a... A ton of different strains of arguments all converging into the vaccine passport discussion. So it's been an enormous topic. Um, And I know in the Libertarian Movement, the Libertarian Party of Kentucky tweeted out that it was uh, comparable to the the gold star of of the Holocaust. And there's been an enormous argument about messaging. And here's what I want to say about that. I'm tired and bored of the messaging argument. Like the point of a movement is to have many different voices represented. Do I think that was a smart tweet? Absolutely not. I was critical of it on Twitter. I stand by that. I think that uh, when you use hyperbole, you diminish your own credibility and you diminish the credibility of your allies. You know, Brian Nichols on the Brian Nichols show has done a superb job over the last year articulating and documenting why the lockdowns didn't work. And why they were morally wrong, utilitarily they didn't work. He's done a tremendous job, and he has not done it in a way that is hyperbolic. He has not done it in a way that is that, that just makes you cringe. He's done a great job of it. But it's hard to get people outside of our world to listen to that content because uh, it was so tied to pandemic and some of this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you start comparing it to Gold Stars... The debate is not about the very real problems of the vaccine passport. The debate shifts to, was this an appropriate conversation or not? And so bold messaging is needed. Brian Nichols had bold messaging on it. Don Rainwater had bold messaging on COVID here in Indiana. When he ran for governor last year, he got 13% in a three-way race and set historical records for any third party in Indiana. And he used the messaging that we talked about in the beginning of COVID on this program. Take COVID seriously. The government needs to do nothing more than just give us accurate information and help coordinate where needed. But in reality, you are, you are not, you have no moral authority to shut down businesses. You have no moral authority to pick winners and losers and you can't buy seeds at Walmart, but you can go, you know, it's, And Don Rainwater was never equivocating on it. He was bold about it. He built a movement on it. The Libertarian Party convention in Indiana was last weekend. They 
uh, uh, we have 92 counties. They added 30 some counties. He got second place in the vote totals. He in in um, 32 counties in Indiana. Bold messaging is needed, but bold messaging is not distracting messaging that doesn't work and turns people off. And so there's a difference. There's got to be a difference. And when we circle the wagons on this stuff, it just encourages those unforced errors. The, the Kentucky tweet was an unforced error, and the news articles written about it. When most people never hear the word libertarian or see the word libertarian, and the only time it gets in the news is because Seth Rogen is tweeting at the Libertarian Party of Kentucky uh, about how dumb they are. Like that, that yeah. people outside of our circles associate us with that, you know? And so it's an unforced error. Say it's an unforced error. Set the guardrails of where we need to be because if we always circle the wagons, Harry, it's always going to be us going in circles like we have been for 50 fucking years. Correct, yeah. And just reliving and doing the other things over and over again and getting nowhere. Uh, yes, Brian Nichol did a very, very great job of being able to uh, basically like take someone's argument about this whole lockdown and – basically uh, articulate what's going on and they, and and that in this podcast also shows you why these passports are awful awful and bad yeah. because that's what yeah because they'll use that information from the passports to make other lockdowns make other harsh rules yeah though because the wild type you know or uh, the, the 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 wild strain and there's different strains of covid right now and they'll you know that it's the it's idea a tool of, of control Correct. Control. You know, you can't fly here. You can't do this. And it's weird to watch the generation that grew up with the no fly list. <laughs> right. Run to this list. It's like, oh, yeah, we do this. It's like, do you don't remember the no fly list of kids getting on the no fly list? And this is what you want. <laughs> I'm sorry. This I is- said it a year ago. The people who told me that there was yellow cake in, in Iraq and that mm-hmm. they weren't monitoring all of our phones. Why should we believe them about any of their protocols to keep us safe with COVID? Like, you cannot trust the government. You should not trust the government. You should oppose authority at all accounts. And this is this is another like the extension of the emergency powers. This is another tool of control here in Indiana. The legislature is limiting or trying tried to limit the the emergency powers that the governor has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every state should be doing that, you know. And and it's there's zero reason. That there should be, you know, you can't get a haircut in California and Philadelphia and New York, you know. And so you take like Jeff Bennett, when we talked to him here on the program a couple months ago about his experience in Fresno, California, you've got back room hair salons with two way mirrors papered over the front operating in, you know, black market salons with illegal haircuts a year out, right? And when you compare mm-hmm. the numbers to a Fresno and Indianapolis or Indianapolis and Philadelphia, there's no market improvement because of the lockdowns. They didn't work. It was a complete mistake. And the idea that you like we should treat COVID in April of 2021 the same way that we treated it on April 3rd in 2020 is ludicrous. Right. You should and Donald Trump I think would have won the election handily had he come out and said this is very serious. We need to take this very seriously. We're going to get testing going. We're going to get the vaccines going. And we're going to reevaluate every two weeks. Yep. And, and uh, push Democrats and Republican governors to reevaluate every two weeks. And that never happened. And he just wanted to pretend it didn't exist and didn't pretend that it was really happening. And 
testing got behind the vaccines you know the vaccine distribution was somewhat of a mess but at least we got got it out you know and and then you have the end of his presidency with the the him getting covid and all the dramatics of all that going on to appeal to to just the the wackier elements and you just go this was these are all unforced errors like you know had had and that that i think is a failure of his leadership to to help move us forward and i think uh, you know it, it's you know you go go read the lost month in the new york times about the failure of the cdc and the fda to get testing out in time and that's why we had half a million deaths in this and other countries didn't because testing was crucial from the beginning to give you information what we needed and what we need through COVID is accurate information. We need to understand the risks and then calculate those risks for our friends and family. Reinhold has a whole different set of calculations than I do, than Harry does. He is the caretaker for a lot of elderly people in his life and needs to be far more careful than I do. And so now with the vaccine, and, and then you get told, like, all right, even if you get vaccinated, you need a double mask and you can't go to a restaurant. No. Uh uh-uh, uh, fuck you. <laughs> like the point of the vaccine is to get li- life back to normal, and that's not negotiable. And if you don't get back to normal, quote unquote, then you're never going to get there. And if you don't oppose the the vaccine passport stuff, gets floated to gauge public outcry, because if if there is a large outcry against it, it won't happen. It won't be implemented. Remember what what was the Panama port, or there was some big port that. Uh, this was like 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, the, the outcry against th- this country buying an American port was outrageous. And so it didn't happen. Or moving all the Guantanamo Bay terrorists to New York. And the people in New York had, there was huge public outcry. It didn't happen. You know, this stuff happens all the time. And so it, the idea is floated to gauge public interest. And if you don't start speaking out against it and pushing back on it, then it gets implemented, and it never goes away. It's like the TSA. There wasn't enough of a public outcry to push back on TSA, and it's here forever. And, you know, and they can do whatever they want. There's no checks and balances, really. And so the, the dangers of a vaccine passport is exactly what we just read. It's when you look at – let's not talk about the science of vaccines, right? I'm not educated enough to have that conversation, and I'm not going to wade into that minefield. I'm just going to talk about the, a person's relationship to the state when it comes to vaccines. When you look at vaccinations, people, when it wasn't a, 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 you know, a, a knee-jerk reaction to Jenny McCarthy and you had polio, you had lots of resistors in the polio vaccine days when you go back and read the history of that. Um, but by and large, many people are willing to go and get the vaccination to end and eradicate a disease. Um, and as states over the last decade have pushed harder by places like New Jersey, removing the religious exemption and pushing harder and marching towards forced vaccination, uh, you get more resistance. You take people who are on the fence about this particular issue and they go, it's not even about health at this point. It's about being anti-authority and Go F yourself. I'm not doing this. Who are you to tell me what to do with my body? This is a foundational principle of the American experiment and of libertarianism. You own your body. 
You are responsible for your body. You are the protector of the body of your children. You can make the decisions that are best for you and your family. Mm-hmm. Full stop, the, right? Yep. Yep. Go yep. ahead, Harry. And, you know, and the other thing with it is that people in your life, if they say they don't want it or they're getting it, it's okay to ask questions about it. Like, why did you feel comfortable getting it? Why do you feel uncomfortable getting it? What are your reasonings why? These are okay conversations to have. Going after someone, attacking someone – shuts down conversations yeah, and just grows resentment. Right. Um, yeah. You know, like some people was like, you know, uh, we asked me, it's like, so when are you getting the vaccine? It's like, well, I'm actually like waiting for like a, a couple of like uh, studies to get finished and then I'm comfortable taking it. The yeah. one couple of studies I'm waiting for is the idea of people, the study of uh, people who had COVID and then got the vaccine. That's the, that's the study. I mean, I'm yeah. For. I mean, I had, here's that's the thing. Life. I had COVID. I had it. Why do I need to have a vaccine to be inoculated against something I'm inoculated for? You know, when when, you know, the only person that I know, I almost everybody I know has gotten the vaccine at this point, um, Mm -hmm. except my libertarian friends, Um, my coworkers, my family. The only person who had any issues with it was my mom, who was in the ICU working. You know, we talked a lot about her last year and it was very scary, right? Like she was very scared to go to work. She's 60, high blood pressure, overweight. Like, you know, it's it was not like an ideal situation to go into. Um, and the uh, I I've had several people tell me that people who have antibodies who get the vaccine. Now, I don't know. This is not studied. This is just innuendo and blatant rumor and and anecdotal evidence is that if you have antibodies and you get it, you get sick. You don't die, right? You just have, you get like the flu-like symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. So that makes me even more skeptical knowing that I've had it in the past. You know, why do I, why, if, if I'm immune, like Donald Trump, uh, then why do I, why do I need to go get the vaccine? I mean, I, I have not looked into it. It's just now this week got introduced to the 30s. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. It's just not something that I have studied and, and uh, looked into. And I'm like you. I want to see studies. I want to make sure that this is the right choice for me and my body and and what's best for my health factors. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't I have the freedom to have that that room to inform myself? Before you start restricting my travel, you start restricting mm-hmm. my ability to make purchases, you start restricting my ability to um to just exist in in modern society. And so there is no doubt that people get angry and push back on that, especially when you have one of the largest invasions into uh, society by go- uh, the American government in our history over the past year. And a lot of those people weren't good faith actors. I mean, people like Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo specifically, uh, mm-hmm. these people did not, you know, these these are not good actors. These are not people who are looking first and foremost what's best for other people. It's about control. So uh, I don't need politicians making decisions on where I can and can't travel. It's, it's immoral, and it just creates backlash. So uh, I guess I had more, uh, more to say about this than I thought. But it, it, it is, you know, from the other side, like I see people saying this is the end of freedom if this gets implemented. I... I, I I'm not going to go that far because I never go that far, but I will say it is it is egregious, and it is not a private company implementing vaccines. Okay, if 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 it's like the mask debate, right? It's the gay cake debate, right? Uh, 
<laughs> if Meyer grocery store says you can't come in here without a mask, I'm going to respect them and wear a mask inside because it's their mm-hmm. property. I'll, you know, I understand. Okay. Um, but, uh, if every grocery store gets together and mandates a behavior, that's a cartel. That is not that is not uh, the free market. That's that's a big difference. And then there's also a difference between putting a mask on your face and a vaccine and an injection. You know what I mean? Like there's a big difference between me getting kicked off Facebook and a vaccine, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not as outraged about not having to go on Facebook and see what a dumbass I am every five minutes on my page, right? Like I'm not really mm-hmm. I'm not really losing anything when I'm blocked from big tech, other than I regain peace and happiness. But you're mandating <laughs> that I have to do something with my body because mm-hmm. and I have no other options, and you really think that that's just like the private airline security isn't going to eventually be nationalized into the TSA with something like this, and you think it's really going to stop with this, when we've seen in the vaccine debate, it marched Mm -hmm. from, okay, no rules, your kids can come, we're not even going to check. All right, we need to make sure they're vaccinated. Okay. Uh, And, oh, well, yeah, we messed up on that. We'll give you a religious exemption. Okay, now we're going to take that back. The New Jersey legislature removes the religious exemption, and if you want your child to go to any public school that you pay for, they must be vaccinated. You must do this. That's an intrusion on liberty. It doesn't matter what that person thinks about science or not. It doesn't matter about herd immunity or not. The government cannot mandate that you do something with your body. Plain and simple. Period. Stop. There's no, there's no further argument. It doesn't matter if it is wise for every person to be vaccinated. The government has no moral authority to mandate that. And private organizations, especially airlines that have just received billions of dollars of funding from the federal government in bailouts, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just I think I think people have every right to be completely and fully skeptical of this, considering mm-hmm. all the factors that we've just laid out, Harry. Correct. Yeah. And with the all right. So the whole digital aspect of it. That's what really scares me because everyone likes to give power to all big tech. And we're going to give this things to these gigantic tech monopolies. And we're going to allow them to help, help disperse this information. Well, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg didn't, and, and Google didn't go back on their promises of not being evil and being supporting independent publishers. They wouldn't go back on their words. They're not evil people. Oh yeah. oh yeah. They wouldn't do this. Yeah. And we have seen that the security holes, the blatant security holes in most applications, especially like when Snapchat opened up the ability to find out where your friends were, like you're just using GP, the GPS that's on, on your phone and you can't turn off, you know? And so you can just like see this. So most people, people who develop that thing is just like, well, why, why don't you want to know where your friends are? I don't know. Maybe having an ex friend or I find a friend that's trying to stalk me. Great. Now this app tells my, that person who's stalking me exactly where I'm at. And if I'm not home or not, that is a terrible experience. And, um, one message from the chat I do wanted to bring up is someone saying like the banks being happy with the mask mandates being lifted. Oh yeah. I'm waiting for it to go to my bank without my mask on. Cause I have to actually schedule an appointment and sit down, which I already have a big bougie head anyways. When I go to the bank, I don't need to have a schedule appointment, sit down with my banker to get banking done. You know, it's, you know, it's a terrible experience. Trust me. When you're sitting in a room with talking about your, your finances to somebody on the side of the table. It's awful. It's awful. You gotta be responsible. But, um, the, the and the other thing when it comes to your phones, most of the majority of the people who have a smart device or a smartphone, they actually have this sort of app out there is running Android 
Android is highly unsecured, and most people have a highly unsecure Android device. Most people are running Android 8.0, you know, or probably worse. And like okay, paper no secure, I, I could go on eBay right now and probably buy a fake vaccine passport. Like, yeah, come on. This hey, you is, can. I know a guy. By the way, <laughs> regular passports are an impediment on your right to free travel. Yes. You you have every right, and the government cannot stop you from traveling. You have every – it is a human right, which is why I am open borders and why the the crisis on the southern border is BS. The The passport was instituted in World War One as a way to monitor who was coming from the, the evil nations of Germany. Oh, by the way, a large majority of the country in the Midwest was German at that time, and – Fought in the Civil War and fought in World War One for this country, um, and so the passport was a temporary measure to monitor who was coming from what country as a safety and security. Mm-hmm. So, because yeah, of the World War, yeah, right. This was the idea of it. Right. Well, look, it's here, and all these other countries have adapted this passport system to track where people come from. You know, Israel's was one of like the harshest; they won't let you come into Israel, depending on what Middle Eastern country you had stamped on. That's why what Donald Trump did with those agreements was so powerful. It was like, great, now you can have this stamp on your passport and might be able to get in Israel one day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's what, yeah, it's, all right, I don't want to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) No, the whole passport system is goofy and it's, it gets, Everyone's like, well, this is good, a good thing. And it's like, no, because passports also help enforce the EU's control over Europe. You know, so like, oh, this is great. I don't have to change my passport going to the, going to between the states. Like, you don't have to anyways. You put that system there. You know, you're allowing the EU to control you because you created this stupid system that makes you stamp some, you know, makes you stop at some imaginary line that you guys drew up hundreds of years ago. And now you want to put some post at, you know, you see how the EU controls you. Yeah. You know, now you, can, now you can't use the EU. That was one of the arguments of Brexit. Oh, now you got to show your passport to come in. Why? I was driving across this imaginary line yesterday, but now Brexit. Oh, show your show your ID now. Let's yeah, see. like it's, it's your rule. It's you been, created it. You made that barrier. This has been like repeatedly. Like if you believe the government can save you, you're a fool. <laughs> like the last year should have proven that to you. When when the when the crisis hits. I mean, I'm, 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 it's kind of funny watching all my statuses in the, in the, in the time hop, like, mm-hmm. you know, and saying the best the government can do when a crisis hits is send you a thousand dollars, you know? So mm-hmm. if you're going to be laid off and you, you like, you can't count on the government. I mean, I know so many people that didn't qualify for the benefits and the government shut them down and never got restitution for the lockdowns. My barber is one of those people. He went two months without pay and he never got restitution because they wouldn't give him benefits because of the, the structure of his employment. Like you if you it's it's the takings. It's it's in the Constitution. It's called takings. It's it's why um, the people who burned down Portland and Seattle and Philadelphia, like these people are not going to be charged. The people at the Capitol are not going to be charged. Well, you the rule of law demands that if you're if you're if you're destroying property and people, you have to suffer consequences, and you have to pay restitution to the people that that were hurt or the property that was destroyed. It's called takings. So you 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 f- have a breakdown of the rule of law when people are not punished for doing either. Yep. 
Yeah, they gave us five dollars a day to live off of. You, so when you shut down, that's why I, I wasn't terribly. I mean, the inflationary spiral that we're about to hit because of the printing of money and the opening of this trough that is never going to end. It really was opened in two thousand and eight. We talked about the moral hazard of that. Once you once you start um, opening the the crisis bucket, we need to do stimulus, and we figured out how to get like the the TARP bailout, for instance. Least popular, one of the least popular uh, pieces of legislation in American history, yet it was one of the most successful because it was used, it was only half of it was accessed and it was all paid at back with interest by the banks. Um, but it was deeply unpopular because why should they get something and I don't? So this time around, Trump and the Democratic Congress figured, let's send checks and put my name on it. And it's hugely popular. Why didn't I get $2,000? Why aren't we getting $2,000 a month? So never mind that the, the, the cost of oil is up 181%. The cost of wood and, and lumber for new housing starts is up 247%. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have artificially decreased supply because people had to shut down their businesses while artificially increasing demand because you've given people so much free money, and then we're all shocked when prices go up as if we didn't sit through the basic laws of supply and demand in, in, in history, uh, in economics class in high school. So you've got people sitting on $1.9 trillion of savings, which is why the apartment I'm in right now, I pay $800 a month for rent. When I moved in here, it was about uh, seven seventy five. Right, and I get a discount for living here. When I move out, they're going to rent this apartment for sixteen hundred dollars. And oh, by the way, they want proof that you make three times the income to rent that apartment, so people can't afford apartments. Every every place now requires three times your. You have to show a pay stub to show that you have three times your earnings to rent an apartment. But prices for apartments are wildly overinflated. So what's happening? Everybody's going to buy a house because. I have a friend who just applied for a home mortgage and their tax return that they were using showed that they made like $16,000 that year because they were young mm-hmm. and they were, they were making more, but they were going off that tax break. They had an okay, moderately okay, uh, a credit score and they qualified for $150,000 <laughs> You and, and like 5% interest. So you can get a home for nothing. Uh, well, you can't rent an apartment. And so more people live at home. More people are buying houses. Co- costs go up. People are selling their houses right now. And my mom just sold hers in an hour. It shouldn't have sold in an hour. You know, my I have another friend who sold their house in seven hours. Like the real estate market right now is crazy. Builds are off the charts because everybody's sitting on 1.9 extra in, in, trillion in savings. I didn't get my stimulus, but, you know. Fuck Donald Trump and Joe Biden for that, but uh, hopefully I'll get it my tax returns. So, yeah, you, uh, John, uh, at the Wooden Journey here says, it's cheaper for me to buy quality hardwood versus construction lumber. So <laughs> you, we can't be surprised that we're about to see an inflationary period where prices are going up. Mm-hmm. And so when you give people $1,000 but it costs them 7000 Who's really hurt through all of the last year? Who's who's hurt? It is people at the lowest rungs. Oh, we're going to help people who are at the, the lowest levels of income. It didn't do that. It didn't achieve that. It is 
creating more inequality because of government interference in the marketplace. And not for nothing, the people who most desperately needed that help and need a fair break over the next decade didn't have an income for a year. <laughs> so, you know, there it's it's trade-offs, right? So you take these small businesses that got PPP, those people's businesses were saved by PPP, but their prices are going to go up for all the goods that they buy to It's <laughs> typing. Must be typing that paper. Yes. Um. But all the all the all the goods that they purchase for their businesses are about to go up. So you you're now putting a squeeze on the small business owner who doesn't get the tax breaks that large corporations. There was a big uh, article out yesterday that like the top 10 corporations pay no taxes. Amazon pays no taxes. Donald Trump paid no taxes. And, and everybody's like, oh, I'm so glad for him that he doesn't pay taxes. Well, yeah, it's really good that these corporations don't pay taxes because we get the benefit of not d- double paying on taxes. But the small business owner doesn't get that same break. He doesn't have access to the lobbyists. He can't afford a lobbyist to go and get the corporate welfare that others get. That's what made no sense about people congratulating Donald Trump because all you're doing is arguing for perpetuating the system that hurts the people that we need to support the most. Libertarians need to support the small business owner because that's where the middle class lives. When you have a strong middle class historically, they're the ones who defend liberty. They're the ones who go – you look at the, the Turner movement and, and the Germans who moved here in 1848. They built the middle class in the Midwest, and they, they were part of the Turner movement, which was these uh, – something I'm going to do a show on because I think it's fascinating. They were part of these big community groups called Turnaverans. Now, if you're from Indianapolis and you go to the Rathskeller, that's a Turnaveran. Well, these community groups were, were, were people – you know. Someone was in trouble, they'd pay their medical bills. There was a doctor that they could call. If you needed a job, you knew someone. You, they, the Turners invented gymnastics. They were all about physical fitness, financial fitness, religious um, services, lectures. Uh, when Civil War Army recruiters came to Cincinnati, they went to one turn of Aaron and recruited a whole regiment, and they became one of the most badass. I think it was the ninth. Uh, all German. They only spoke German. Um, because they were so networked together and civically engaged in anti-slavery. Um, and that community, that tight-knit community, then s- built generational wealth, of which I benefit from, because they were part of a community. And, and the converse is when, when you have, Harry, communities being continually broken down by, by government and by social norms and by... Um, Jim Crow laws, that generational wealth evaporates and you don't have the same economics. So to tie this all back in, uh, we're somewhere. I don't know where we went, but this is just like I've just been reading all this stuff and I just go small business owners are are the core of protecting liberty. Those Germans are the ones who pushed for democracy and liberalization, um, liberal democratic capitalism. Because they were small business owners. They believed in the equality of all people. They believed in representative government. They were driving force in the Midwest for making it uh, a stronger community and a better government. And when you have the middle class fall apart and hollow out, 
because you've destroyed the ability for people to work for small businesses. You've Correct. destroyed the ability for their kids to go work for small businesses. Mm-hmm. Why are there so many for sale signs out in businesses right now? Because kids can't go get a summer job because of right. labor laws. They can't get internships and become mm-hmm. apprentices to become better employees. Right. And then you destroy the business, the small business owner's ability to operate through oppressive taxation. What do you get? You get Weimar Germany falling apart and the middle class descending into lower economic strata or the well-connected ones driving up into the upper classes. And you get inequality and the people who used to have something and used to have money now have nothing. And when a Hitler comes along, they go, I'm all for it. Fuck these people. Let's go. So the importance of strengthening the middle class and small businesses cannot be overstated. Yeah. The thing that also like just uh, really hits the middle class right now is financial education. Um, it's very it's highly important, especially right now, because putting money in a savings account like, hey, put 10 percent, pay yourself, putting your savings. That's just going to burn money right now. Like it pains me to like to know that, like, I've got to keep my savings account at a certain amount. And then I just got to buy some asset, buy something, send it somewhere yeah. um, or just invest it in something like it is. I think I've done a, I think it's one thing I've done in the last few years is like try to get better at my financial education because just realizing like like any other older strategy, especially right now with this, is not going to work. I'm reading a history book, just like, all right, how do I get my money out of here so it doesn't burn too much? You know, yeah. I only want so much physical um, um, uh, precious metals and where and then buying assets where to put it, you know, uh, and it's. And that's also like what destroys like the middle of a lot of the middle class. A lot of the middle class people that you've seen now, like before, like in the nineties of your parents growing up, they was able to get a seven percent savings account from their bank. Yeah. 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 At seven percent. So you like you you put like a fifty thousand dollars there in about seven to ten years. I think it's gonna double. That's awesome. You know, you buy a house with that, you pay your house off and do all kinds of different things. Well, you're getting like two point zero zero two percent or some ridiculous amount you know it's so like yeah your parents didn't need to be that financial education don't blame them for not being able to give it to you they didn't need it you know yeah <laughs> they could just work and throw money in this thing and it grow you know? yeah you know? So. i mean so let's go back to the vaccine passports because i think it, it is it cannot be understated how much this hurts Lower classes. I mean, it's kind of the voter ID argument that the left uses against the voter ID. I was I was all for voter ID for a long time. And I I, I guess I'm not really still against it because I've lived in one of the states that had uh, you had to show your ID to vote from the beginning. Makes sense. Right. The argument back then was if you show your ID to rent a movie at Blockbuster, then you why not when you vote? That's how old voter ID is. Uh, <laughs> and and that makes some sense, right? And the argument from the progressive side was not everybody has the ability to get to the BMV and $10 for some people is a lot. And poor people uh, or homeless people, you know, people experiencing homelessness can't uh, go and get an ID because they have no address. And, mm-hmm. and there's not been a huge track record of disenfranchisement. And their argument is you don't see people being disenfranchised like the nine nuns in southern Indiana in 2005 or whatever because those people just throw up their hands and never go do it. I don't totally buy that argument. I don't think you can just – if you don't see the data and you don't see the people being denied their ability to vote – You can't just say, well, because you don't see it, this thing that I just made up is happening. I need to see some evidence. I need to see some proof. Um, But 
the same the argument does apply to vaccine passports, right? I know the vaccine right. is free at the moment, um, mm-hmm. but mobility still comes into play there too. Uh, I, I also, um, I, in some ways, I think this is a bigger deal than showing your your ID to vote because. When you look at things like the social credit score system in China and how that was slowly implemented, and you have people like Hillary Clinton advocating for something like that eventually, you you can't tiptoe into this. You know, you start putting together systems and networking systems together and building databases, and you've got Prism and Big Tech and and now your health information all flowing together, like. The more paranoid among us are not always wrong. <laughs> and sometimes we need to listen to those dissenting voices and really say, let's be cautious about this because just because someone is a paranoid person about neo feudalism and they listen to Alex Jones, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily wrong. <laughs> you know, because you're you're looking at all of this convergence in sur- in surveillance capitalism and, and their uh collusion with the government. Like, you know, how, how do you break that down? Where do you come down on some of that stuff? Yeah, it, it is always scary when uh, Alex Jones is proven correct, especially when he's been shouting his head off about something. The Some of it, not all of it. He gets a, a little bit that he jumps to a conclusion. So you yeah, and Escaldra right. says here, voting is treated as a privilege. Travel is a right. I would I would argue that voting is a right if you live – this is basic liberal values – if you live in a society and someone has authority over you, you have the right to participate in who has authority over you. And if you're going to live in a non-anarchist society, then you have the right to participate without barriers. And so that's why now I'm starting to change my mind on voter ID, changing my mind on uh, prisoners not being able to vote. Like you, if you have authority over me, I get to have a say in who is that authority, and I have the ability to dislodge you if you are threatening my interests. Because if I'm not going to get my anarcho-capitalist society and utopia, then I get to say what who has the ability to put me in prison and write laws and and restrict my rights. Um, and travel is absolutely a right. So this is uh, again why we were against travel bans last year, even if it made good health sense even if a lot of this stuff made like social distancing is a legitimate principle like it makes sense mm-hmm. it's if a communicable disease exists the less community the less transmission right mm-hmm. but people have to have the ability to make that choice voluntarily because if you don't do that then you get backlash and the backlash makes the the, the situation much worse i don't think there's anybody that would argue that what like when the NCAA shut down, everybody was all in. We're like, okay, all right, the NBA is doing what's good for the community. We can stay home for a month. You know, th- this makes sense, right? But the second the government got involved in lockdowns, the a lot of the country's attitude changed towards this. The backlash began. The resentment began. And you, mm-hmm. you have a greater spread of the disease because now people are just – you know, anti, anti-authoritarian, right? This is the American spirit, the American founding. And the same exists with passports, vaccine passports, limiting travel, limiting speech, and limiting the right to vote. Rights are not up for negotiation just because they make good medical sense or because they make good sense in terms of uh, people forging the vote, right? So right. Um, 
that that that's where I come down on some of this stuff. So Harry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I'm going to just remove myself and let you talk so I don't I don't interrupt you. <laughs> Yeah, and before anyone goes like, but the government saved us from the uh, from the pandemic. No, what saved everybody was truckers. Truckers saved you. Truckers who supplied all your local grocery stores, so everything didn't turn into Mad Max. That's who saved everybody in keeping those suckers. And open. not for nothing, the medical industry and free markets developing mm-hmm. vaccines years before they were necessary, and be able to turn that switch on, like, like the, the free market companies of far. Oh, oh. All right, I'm going back. Oh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Where was I? All right. So the vaccine passport. Yeah. Uh, then there's also the bleed over into everything else, you know, because we know that's what they do. Because once you've got a database, you can register things, you can pull things out of it. Uh, that's exactly what they're going to do. Now, I'll be like, well, this is a slippery slope, Barbara. This is not a slippery slope. I'm actually going to go take other things that they've done. And I was like, hey, they've done this like before. Like the idea of no fly, no buy list. Yeah, they'll do this. It's like, well, if you don't have the vaccine, you know, you, you can't vote because we don't want you affecting everyone in voting. Don't think that's going to happen. But hey, anything can happen when everything's on the table. And, and the government that can do anything for you can do anything to you because it's not like they can't because if they can, they will. You know, that's why, like, when I last week when I talked about the systems for, like, uh, or a criteria for an alternative for a lot of these things, it's like, hey, if they can, they will. Make sure they can't. You know, it's the only way really to save yourself from a lot of these different things. The other aspect on, go touch back on the voting thing, is I'm with, uh, I'm with Spangle on the idea, of, like, if you're going to vote in this club the club does need a way to verify that you only do vote once and that's a good thing for voter registration the idea that i'm going to register and you can give a number or a card or something like that just for registration you registered to vote you came in this place they give you your thing that you're your token that you're going to go vote with right and this token belongs to you you know does you know can you attach it to your id or attach it to something like cool awesome got api and webhooks so, you know you can do stuff like that but you know it's you still need a way to verify that everyone votes once because if not you know trust me you know, unless you're going to let someone red team to trust your security, you know, I don't believe anything's secure unless I can say, like, all right, have you been red teamed? You know, what 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 is, what is your security protocols look like? So your pen test discovered what? You can't just say, hey, we're secure. Okay, all right, you mind if mind if I try? <laughs> mind if I try to get in? You know, it's the same thing that happened at the warehouse I just worked at. Everybody comes saying like, oh yeah, we secured this building, and I got in with my knife. <laughs> um, quick story, it's just. One thing you can notice is just walking around the buildings um, that just have hinges on the outside. It's their front doors. They have hinges on the outside. Tons of buildings do it. I don't understand it, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. Please, uh, that's for science and testing purposes. Please don't break into things that you don't have the respect for the owner or the proven to do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's for science purposes only. Are you back now? I- I'm back. I mean, I was here the whole time. I was listening and just uh, just trying not to get in the way. Was that was that getting too illegal? You're like, okay, ooh, ooh, prank call, prank call. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. the yeah, it it's. I think the most thing that I worry about with any time the government decides to build a database or any person where this has been is what that database is going to be used in the future. Remember before Facebook became this gigantic juggernaut, they were just building a database, you know, and then the idea was selling ads, and then they started using other things with those ads. And here they are now, able to basically swing elections, change people's emotions. 
this is what they have been designed. They know they have the power to do that, and they have shown that they have the power to do these things. You know, they understand the types of control systems because people, when a lot of people get on the internet, everything is it's just Facebook to them. Yeah, and so the scary thing about the vaccine, most, path, most people don't, most people don't give a lot of thought to the world around them. Yeah. And I, I mean, even smart people who are just like, I think, you know, I saw some libertarian talking about revolution when I we were going back and forth about the messaging argument. Um, like libertarians have to talk about something other than messaging, by the way. Like we have like be we have to be an alternative, a trustworthy alternative that shows that mm-hmm. we're not as crazy as the pink haired lady just screaming. Everybody, you know, Trump is Hitler. Um <laughs> So in that in that argument, somebody was like, you know, people want revolution. They want revolution. I was like, people don't want revolution. People want to be left alone. They want low taxes, and they never get on Twitter to see what you're talking. Like, you know, they just they just the majority of this country, whether left or right, wants to be left alone. They want to to have the majority of their money to build wealth for the their family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's like this is not hard <laughs> like just find ways to leave people alone and when you have a pandemic you have we've advocated for empathy like you have to think about your actions you can't just like i'm not going to do this because i don't want to and you can't make me there's been a lot of that and i think that that's bad messaging that just says like without without the government telling people what to do i'm going to do the wrong thing like that doesn't build trust with the people that we need to convince that we're the private solutions that free markets are a better solution than government solutions. It it makes them go, well, this Joe Biden guy seems like he cares. And Donald Trump seems like if, if the government didn't exist, people like him would do the wrong thing. Cause he would, (laughs) you know, he, he he already has. Um, Oh no. Right. And so and like that's the thing about the whole debate about critical race theory and wokeism versus, you know, BLM, like most people are where our listenership is at. Don't be racist. Quit being Mm -hmm. a racist prick. Like quit. Quit it. Stop. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, like what 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 should if you're racist, what should that cost you? You know, again, it's a free market solution like I'm going to unfriend you. We're not, I'm not going to have my kids go spend the, the weekend with their grandparents. I'm not, you know, we don't, people feel rightly that they're being socially engineered from all sides and they don't want to be socially engineered. They don't want central planning. That's why I've been anti-Trump and anti-right for the better part of a year. You're just a different version of the central planning and the social mm-hmm. engineering. You just want your version to win. And you're not a better alternative. And we wouldn't have Joe Biden passing $4, million, $4 trillion in stimulus if Donald Trump had been the better alternative. Mm-hmm. If the right hadn't lost its mind over things like, you know, like arguing over. Uh, we had this debate in our group chat. I'm, you're never going to. I don't like wearing a mask. But you're not going to hear me make fun of people wearing a mask because that's somebody's personal choice. And, like, I'll be respectful when I go out. I'll wear the mask, right? Is it is it saving everybody from COVID? No. 
because you, I've read the science and everybody read the science from the beginning, it just reduces the amount of spread because of droplets, right? It isn't protecting you from getting it, right? Um, but when your whole shtick is calling people sheeple because they're wearing a face diaper, they don't see you as a trustworthy alternative to the other side. They just see you as the same side of uh, the sa- a different side of the same coin. And I think a lot of people have made the big mistake over the last year in portraying themselves as an un as not a good alternative, right? You know, and mm-hmm. Donald Trump, I will say this till the day I die, Donald Trump would have won in an election landslide had he just not been Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Because and it's why the house really shifted towards the right. The right, in a lot of ways, is what the majority of Americans want, but without the racism, Mm -hmm. but without the taunting and the transgressive talk radio show hosts. If you don't know what transgressive is, it, it means taking the cultural norms and doing the opposite. Think John Waters movies in the 70s. You know, or Jesus Christ Superstar, or Christopher Hitch. You know, it's like I'm going to take what is popular and what is the 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 common, normal thing that everybody doesn't question, and I'm going to to do the opposite. <clears throat> well, contrary people have a lot of contrarianism in their life. They're not looking for more contrarianism that is over the top and overkill. And they're not looking for that. They're looking for stability. They're looking for people who are going to leave them alone and mean it when they say they're going to do that and are not going to inflame the other side to get there. So we're often our own worst messengers, and I think that's a big reason why we, we get to the point where vaccine passports are even a question because we didn't present a good alternative a year ago and through the past year and tied ourselves too much to Trump and his transgressive messaging that reasonable alternatives like the ones that Brian Nichols always lays out don't get heard because everybody's debating the appropriateness of the transgressive guy like Donald Trump. And he would have won in a landslide had he just, like I said, kept himself in check like we we talked about earlier. So (laughs) we cannot make the same mistake on vaccine passports. Um, Getting attention on Twitter is not the same as electoral politics. I've I've managed – probably, you know, worked on a hundred campaigns in my life. Uh, And what, what people, when you knock on their door, say and think is not always the same as what you see from the intellectuals on Twitter, left, right, center, whatever journalists, like we spend too much time debating what the intellectual class is talking about. What regular people are talking about is often different than that. And we cannot make that same mistake. That's why I advocate reading books instead of being on social media from here on out. So, um, so anyways, yeah, Harry, go ahead. Oh yeah. 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 Just try it for a week. Uninstall the Facebook app from your phone. Just uninstall the app. The app. I'm not saying get off Facebook. Uninstall the app. Get to Facebook through your web browser on your smart device. Yeah. It'll help you bring frustrate, frustrate yourself intentionally. Yep. It, one, it's an extra step to try to get onto it. Two, a lot of the cool features that keeps you attracted on it that they, you know, social engineer you to get you back on it won't work on the doesn't work on the browser that well. So it allows you to put it down, and then you can do something else: read a book, 
you know, and, and just try it out just for one week. It'll be so fun. So on my front page, A, I have all notifications turned off on almost everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you when you go to uh, edit your home screen, right, on that front page, I've got all the, like, the basic apps, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't have the apps. I, I can get to it if I slide over here, but I make sure that I don't suggest those apps in this box here so they yeah. never pop up. I never see the notifications. You forget the apps, you know? And, and when you're when you're at the grocery store standing in line and you pull out your phone because it's habit, open up the Kindle app or use Instapaper. Mm-hmm. Find some articles yes. that you want to read, put them in Instapaper, and read that instead. You know, some other stuff that have has worked for me is start reading with something you love. Like I started with a Dan Brown novel, and I just couldn't put it down a few years ago. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of carved out space, and I just kept it. I just kept that yep. habit. And I read at night. I go to bed an hour or two earlier than I am mm-hmm. would normally fall asleep, so I have a ton of time to read because I can't go to bed. Um, I like to read on the Kindle. I think, you know, I, I like paper at my desk because I highlight, and then I like Kindle when I'm just, like, reading. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and, I, and yeah. I read, like, several different things because you don't always feel like – some people feel like I've got to read – this book from cover to cover and I can only read this until it's done. And you don't have to do that. You can like, I'm reading like 10, 15 different books. Cause some nights I feel like reading about Christianity and, and I'm and the screw tape letters. And then some other nights I'm like, I want to read something political or I want to read history, you know? And then the, the last tip is like highlight your books because the act of highlight, I have the highlighter in my hand and I'm going, what's the important part here. And once you kind of do this and keep your phone in a different room, and once you kind of do this stuff, you'll be amazed at how disinterested you are in going and reading stuff on social media or even the New York Times or Breitbart or what, like following those, you'll keep up with it just because it's like generally around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll, I, I've just been so relaxed and so much more happy and so much more present in my family's life and my life and my jobs because I'm not constantly stressed out. Like I just after the after the Capitol insurrection, I just was like, I've got to do something different. I've I've got to. I don't want to. Con- I don't want to quit doing my show. But I can't continue to do what I've done for the last year because it's driving me literally insane. And uh, I've got to just focus somewhere else. And I've got to offer value to this audience. But it, it can't be following the nuances of Twitter anymore. It just it's 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 making us crazy, Harry. Yep, yep. Just like the lead pipes in the you know Roman Empire, making you crazy, but you can't put it down because I need that status symbol of having yep. running water inside my house. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. Like John says, some books it takes me years to read because I have so many going on at once. Me too. I just finished a book that I started in 2018 last night called Foundation by Peter Ackroyd yeah. about the the birth of England. And I got so into the topic that I took a history class on the history of England before 1688. And that's the basis of kind of the podcast that we're going to be doing on the, for the patrons. Like, and I finished that book yesterday, and it was like a huge celebration. You know, start, start small with like 100-page books because once you get like a win of finishing a book, then – and you don't have to read the whole book. You can kind of like scan some of it too. But um, those are some of my tips. Well, just like watching like a TV series on Netflix. If it takes you two years to get through it because you watched a series, learned something that you kept flipping through it, yeah, go ahead, do it. It's fine. Yeah. It's totally okay. You know? And then also getting like a 
uh, for reading like this, and now this turned into like how to read churn through I, books. I don't know how we went from vac- vaccine passports to this, but here we are. That's fine. It's fine. Um, I also recommend <laughs> getting the uh, if you can find the Kindle Paperwhite tablet that they have yes. that is particularly device that's just for reading doesn't have facebook yep. on it um you can get them that are waterproof so you can sit in the tub it is like a separate device that's just for reading so when you pick that tablet up it's i'm reading this is what i'm using this tablet for reading and having specific devices for specific things it's it's freeing like the computer i'm on right now i mainly use it just it's a windows device in the house and it's mainly used for this podcast and video games that's it that's i only use my uh ipad for um scanning articles and saving them to instapaper but then instapaper i'll have it send over to my kindle oasis mm-hmm. and uh i will often buy a book on audible and also have either the paper or the kindle version i love kindle because you can sync the two Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll play the audio, you know, this morning I'm cleaning the house. I got the, the storm before the storm streaming on the whole house, um, by Mike Duncan. And then, you know, later I'll go and I'll pick up the Kindle and start right back there. Right. And so, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I can move along. I, I prefer to read, read because I like to highlight and I hate when I'm listening to an audiobook and I'm like, fuck, that's really, I want to highlight that. And then I put those notes into something called Rome, R-O-A-M, um, and that, which is a great note-taking program I just found. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love having it on two different formats because it kind of speeds it along, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I, I don't read big books in bed. I read my Kindle. I love the Oasis. It's I can't read on the iPad because the, the temptation to check my Twitter is too strong. So, yes. so yes. let's let's Very start strong. wrapping up. We're, we're way out in left field, but we, we managed to do it at the end of the show. So what, uh, you know... What's your final thoughts here? Let's see. My final thoughts for the vaccine passports. It's uh, same thing like all identification and all these things that will just follow you around and other smart contract bull crap. You know, I'm waiting for the idiot that's going to come up. We should put the vaccine passport voluntarily on, on the blockchain. This way we can easily know. No, stop that. Stop. That's bad. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't help. You know? Stop it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stop it. Stop. Just because it's crypto and blockchain is supposed to make it awesome. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Okay? Stop that crap. Man, I'm just angry. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, the idea of, like, keeping these... that type of record around because they're just going to use it again before the next variant is going to come out or another disease. It's not like, you know... Because they're they're never going to officially, because no politician has a stomach to officially declare the pandemic ever going to end. Yeah, they're never going to end. They did, you, know? you know, you know, when yeah. something like ninety percent approved of lockdowns last year, and that's an extraordinary number for approval of government action, and they're they're never going to poll to see how people feel about lockdowns now. And so politicians, what you have to understand about politicians is they are not, and this is based on my 20 years of experience of working around them with them as a journalist, as a political operative, like friends with them, like politicians are not evil plotters who are all trying to rule your life. They are responding to the people in your society that want to control you. And that's a very big distinction, right? And so you have to make your voice louder than their voices because politicians are spineless pussies. And if you can make 
the most noise to convince the most people in a majoritarian society, you can then influence policy. That's now what many of you just heard is if I get the most attention, then <laughs> politicians will do what I want. But there's limits. There are guardrails on how far you can go one way or another. There are limits. And so you, you'll never get rid of prison because there's never going to be a big enough outcry. We didn't have the majority at the time. There's never going to be an end to the pandemic if we don't start pushing now, right? It's, it's you know, the people who were pushing for the past year took the slings and the arrows, but you've got to be the first follower. If you haven't said shit about this, you've got to start saying shit about it, you know, because you've got to start convincing your friends and family, okay, vaccines here. Everybody, y'all feel safe. I know you felt really scared last year, but got our vaccines. We've got to get back to life. I'm ready to go to a concert. How about you? Let's right. open up the Let's full stadium. Let's go. Come Let's on. Go. Let's right? go. Let's so go. you got to start pushing yep. now because if you don't push now, then mm -hmm. the politicians will mistakenly think that the majority is still the people that are scared from 91% in April of 2020. And it's mm -hmm. not. That's not the case. I mean, every one of my liberal friends is like, it was an overreaction. I'm glad the vaccine's here. I'm ready to get back to regular life. Let's do the roaring 20s all over again. <laughs> so... You know, you also have to push that because we have to end the stimulus. We have to stop overheating the economy. We are going to you. I heard an economist explain that uh, a guy who works for AEI explain on the Jonah Goldberg's The Remnant podcast that the reason we're, we're not at inflation yet or won't hit hyperinflation is because the, the, gov the, the economy is not at full tilt. And by that, he means there are still a lot of jobs that aren't filled. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, um, but if you had every, uh, but expect inflation because the demand for goods is not going to keep up with the supply and, uh, of labor. And so if we get to full tilt to meet the full demand, then it, it was bad for some reason. I don't know. I, I'll have to go back and just ignore everything I just said in the last 30 seconds. Um, but <laughs> anyways, uh, final thoughts. Harry, are you all done? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I've given it out. All right. Yep. Just, uh, you know, get out there, start talking to your friends and family and be like, Hey, you're vaccinated. That's awesome. Do you want to go to the Indy 500 with me? You know, if you if you are one of the folks who, you know, listen, there's still risk here, right? You still have to make the best choices for you and your family. But, you know, getting back to regular life, I think, is uh, is really important. So, all right. Well, the producers and I have to go to the park. So I am going to uh, say goodbye to all of you. Thank you for being here. And we will talk to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>